1: We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions and we wanna learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it.
2: Hi, everyone, it's Kelly. We're so thrilled to have Erica Kaufman as our special guest. Erica is a wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, leader, colleague, and more. Her three children are 13, 10, and nine, and her stepdaughter is four. She and her husband divide time between their homes in Pennsylvania and Virginia. She enjoys traveling, cooking for her family and guests, and running. She has always been drawn to the water, where she swims, kayaks, paddle boards, and also looks to advance her surfing skills. Additionally, Erica translates business strategy into people strategy, programs, and processes as the vice president, human resources for Day and Zimmerman's Munitions and Government Group. Which manufactures and provides munition support services for US armed forces and allied nations. She further serve, serves on the board of directors of the Philadelphia Society of People and Strategy and also coaches leaders to cultivate insights to help them perform at their best and have meaningful, fulfilling careers. Erica grew up in Gettysburg, a small town in Pennsylvania where her parents were both small business owners. This first hand view of the excitement and challenges of entrepreneurship helped fuel her her drive and persistence. After completing a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology at Muhlenberg College, she earned her doctorate at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. She subsequently decided to apply her clinical training to business, where she could utilize her deep understanding of people, systems, and change to shape her work with individuals, teams, and organizations. She started her professional career in consulting with Wright management, where she worked with organizations in multiple industries to improve leader and organization effectiveness. Erica continued to develop her skills at Exelon Corporation and thereafter at Day & Zimmerman, leading people, processes, and programs from talent acquisition, leadership, leadership development, and succession planning. Erica's passion is in creating healthy organizations and relationships. She's energized by helping people examine their situations to see new possibilities and enact change. Erica, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. We always like to start by asking what you do when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking. Well, thanks for having me.
0: So when I want to expand my thinking, I I try lots of different things. I recently signed up for masterclass. So um, there's just a ton of information there to learn all different kinds of things. So I've been just starting to scratch the surface with that. I'm also a big Brene Brown fan, Adam Grant. Those are just some of the, the podcasts I'll listen to when I have a moment.
1: Thank you, Erica. Thank you for being a guest with us. And I have to talk about the surfing first. We don't have many surfers so far on this podcast, or if they have, they haven't introduce themselves at it. Um, and I want you to know that you can come out to the desert where I'm at because they're starting their construction, I think in the summer of, um, a surf, a surf pool that sounds wrong. It's like a surfing heaven. Like they're, they have quite a few of them around the world. Um, and this will I think be one of the first in the United States where they will have, um, waves that mimic the ocean here in the middle of the desert. So you're welcome to come out.
0: Erica, wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> now I have to say it, that statement is a bit aspirational.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the desert is uh where no one should be live, right? It's the desert. Like who's living in a desert? And yet they've created yeah, of course, homes. But they're also putting an ice hockey team here, which makes me laugh really, really hard because it's ice hockey and we're 110 degrees. Um, and then now we're going to have not just the the very fancy surf, but I think there's another resort that's creating a beachfront. So Erica, you can have it all. You can come out here, do, put your skates on, and then surf. So. I want Erica to come out here and surf and keep it, and then we'll have another podcast. You can tell us how the surfing is. Um, I love it. I love that you're a surfer and you love the water. What What masterclass are you taking? Like, which one is so far kind of your favorite, or one that you're like, I'm really interested in this. I can't wait to take it.
0: You know, truth be told, I've really been into Gordon Ramsay.
1: <gasps> so chef, what what is your uh, what do you, do you like to bake, uh, cook? Kind of what, what, what's your favorite stuff to bake or cook?
0: You know, I'm always up for a good challenge of looking at whatever's in the refrigerator and trying to make something of it. Yes. <gasps> so I guess it, it actually can be a nice way to be creative,
1: resourceful,
0: yeah. but uh, it, it, it's probably where I excel. I love that. You're the, so you'd be a good contestant on Chopped,
1: where they just get ah. a basket of food.
0: You know, we do family chop contests where uh, the the kids will all get a basket and um, it's a sneaky way of getting them to eat something new or get to eat a vegetable or or something else we're trying to sneak in. I love that.
1: If I did chop basket, my son would go, no, thanks. I just won't eat tonight and would walk away. So I love that your kids are into it. That's great. (laughs) That's a great idea. I like that. What um, and one last question about let's let's pick on Adam Grant. What are some of the the quotes or or his kind of thinking that really resonates with you, and that maybe some things that you've that stay with you and you coach others
0: on based on
1: his research and his
0: work? Oh well, I you know his his first podcast that I was listening to, I think the tagline was "Making Work Not Suck." So that was compelling from the beginning, <laughs> and um, you know he he just has a, a fresh way of looking at things, but making it very consumable and practical. Mm-hmm. I like that,
1: and so um, and then I'll just ask about Brene Brown. What's kind of what has resonated with
0: you with her? So Brene's the the vulnerability researcher. Yeah. And, I just think it's just she's so real when when she does her interviews and and all of her work is so personal. The way she gets people to really dig into their story and draw out these themes to the work that they do and how they approach their life, I always get some meaningful tidbit from it. That's
1: great. That's great. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. So people should listen to Adam Grant, Brene Brown. And uh, do your own chopped chopped um, contest with your family or not and watch your family not eat, which would be my family. No, thanks. No, no. Um, I love that. That's a great idea. Especially anytime you can sneak in a vegetable for uh, children is wonderful. It's hard to
0: do. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, we sneak him in sometimes and, um, it works, it works off and on. I don't know. He's not, he's not eating the best, but you know, he's not going to die from it. At least I don't think so. Um, so Erica, the big question is what decision did you make or was made for you sometimes that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charge qualities that you used to help you make that decision or work through it?
0: Yeah, so I think the, if I have to kind of name it, I think the decision was to rebalance my life. Mm. And I was on this fast pace. You know, if I go back to when I was a kid, I was probably chasing grades, then chasing degrees and then titles. I had this odd aspiration to be a VP before I turned 35. And, you know, I, I we'd achieve these things and then before I even had a chance to understand the meaning of that success would move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And it it wasn't fulfilling. And and rather instead I got to this point where I was just exhausted and Mm -hmm. depleted. I had three kids in four years. The pace of all of it was just unsustainable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I tried to go back in time to that exact moment when I realized a change was needed. And, um, we were at a neighborhood block party and, um, I got compelled to sign up for a half marathon and I had never done anything like that before. I would maybe run a 5k or whatever. And I agreed to do it. They asked me, you know, what time I aspired for. I didn't even know what to write. Mm-hmm. So th- The difference with this challenge for me was was that it wasn't about the finish line. It became very, and I didn't fully appreciate this in that moment, but through the training, that the training was the thing that unlocked so much for me. It was about being out there in the country, on the road, having time to myself, taking care of myself,
2: mm-hmm.
0: having the chance to listen to something interesting or just be alone with my thoughts. So I realized I was not running toward a finish line, but really just running to be a better version of myself.
1: Wow. What, um,
0: and so was
1: that like a few years ago, Erica, in the timeline? So this is like after you've hit your, your goal of being Mm -hmm. a vice president, I would assume um, yep. so how many years ago was this? Is this recent or? Yeah, this was
0: probably about four or five years ago. Okay. And so, you know, with this, it's it's almost like a collection of decisions, but what, yeah. what came was just a complete reprioritization. And, and I think I realized that, you know, I over-intellectualized my choices. Mm. You know, I, I wasn't, tuning into that inner voice. I wasn't really using emotion to make decisions. And so I was at this place where I I just was exhausted. So, um, a lot of, a lot of changes were set in motion at this point, including the ending of my marriage. Um, I moved into a new role at work. Wow. Um, and, You know, there were a lot of things that I needed to do, like build up a support network and prioritize my kids. Um, You heard in my my bio, I led with these other roles. I think I I would have led with my title. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even any professional setting where we introduce ourselves, we usually start with who we are at work. And yep. we, we give very little attention to these other really important roles in our lives. And that was what was so out of balance for me.
1: Mm. Erica, I want to, I want to do it like in, in, ask you some questions in, in three phases. So let's talk about like before running, that's like, that's the, before the half marathon,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: we've talked to quite a few people on this podcast about that chase for the title by a certain time frame, And how rarely do people after they do that say that was the best? <laughs> like, usually it's, oh, why did I do that? And because it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't fulfill me the way I thought it would. You said you were always goal oriented as a kid, like, mm-hmm. or like you had that, that, that drive. What, like, where do you think that came from? And like, did, were there people throughout your life that said don't worry about it? Don't act like that. Or, or do you think more people, um, Supported that for you, and society was like, "Yes, Erica, you can do it all." Or, kind of, where do you think some of those
0: messages, either reinforcing it or people trying to tell you, no? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, both my parents being entrepreneurs set a strong example of that. You know, my mom continues to just grind it out. She probably works harder and more hours now than she ever did in her life, which and part of that, and I have I have a lot of respect for her part of my moment of clarity was like, wow, I, I don't want that. I don't want to get to that point in my life and just be working. Yeah. So I always, the the examples around me were these hardworking, strongly driven people um, striving to overcome obstacles. Um, I, I don't think my parents ever put pressure on me to achieve. It was really coming from inside but I do have this moment that I remember when I was in third grade and they wanted to put me in the medium reading group. And my mom, went. <laughs> she went into the school and she's like, no, she deserves to be in the top group. And And I always felt like, okay, well, I know I'm not the smartest, but I can work harder than all of them.
1: Mm. So you knew. And then you get rewarded for it. Here's the hard thing about that you keep working harder and harder and you get more and more things for it. So you're on that, that in that hamster wheel, um, because people like that, you know, like, Oh yeah, she's in the top class and she made vice president by this, like by this age. I mean, we always have these lists of like 40 under 40 and 30 under 30. And we're so excited about these kind of artificial timelines as well. So society is giving you this feedback, Erica, that way to go, Erica, killing it, Erica, you're doing great, Erica. Um, no one's really telling you, I don't think, slow down Erica, have a better life balance Erica.
0: That's probably what the messages you were getting. Exactly. And you know what's crazy is my my 13-year-old, I see it in her and she puts so much pressure on herself and I know I've worked so hard not to to do that and yet if anything we our parent teacher conferences are about like, how can we reduce her anxiety? How can we allow her to, you know, take a break and have fun and be a kid and, and not be so stressed about school?
1: Right. Well, we hear all those messages. And also, I, I remember I said something to my son one time when he was little, and um, because he was, something was wrong. And I said, my goodness, what if like, did daddy and I do something? you know what I mean? Like, what have we done kind of thing to encourage this behavior? And he just looked at me he's like, mom, I was born this way. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. So is there something we can do? He's like, I got to work it out. I was like, oh my God. Okay. Um, But, but sometimes we try so hard, but it's kind of in them, the drive, the, it came from your parents to you, to your, your child's, you know what I mean? Like it just, there's a part of it that, it's in them. It's kind of in their DNA. And so how do we kind of work with them and figure that out? So, yes. so before the, the, the run you're married, you have three kids in four years, Erica, that's enough to exhaust anyone <laughs> if You said in four, four years. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, you had the job. And then this run comes around this mar- half marathon. And you're now running with by yourself, I would assume, or at least your head, you know, you're in your head. How do all these thoughts kind of come up, and and do you immediately kind of accept them, or do you go, "Hey, thoughts, calm down"? I have a lot to do. Um, how did you kind of reconcile these thoughts swirling in your
0: head as you're as you're running? Well, I think it was more of just having the time to think. Mm-hmm. It almost didn't matter what I was thinking about. I had been at this pace that was just so intense that I didn't have time. To stop and reflect and think, well, maybe I want something different, or maybe I'm not happy. And you know, I, for for months, I would listen to podcasts, so a lot of TED talks or whatever, and just it would spur all these additional thoughts. But having that time to myself, where I could just have that space, was so important. Mm.
1: What so how do so talk us about when these thoughts are coming in and you're realizing I need to rebalance? Like, what are what's how do you even start to because you're on this pace, you're in this hamster wheel, and then all of a sudden you're like, I need to rebalance. And that includes marriage, job. I mean, these are giant things to rebalance, Erica. So how did you mm-hmm. start to think through it without making yourself go? completely insane with kind of this overwhelming, oh my God, now I
0: have to change everything. Yeah. Well, I think first it was admitting that I wasn't happy and um, it wasn't sustainable. So realizing that that a change was needed was important, but then trying to create a picture in my mind of, of what a better future could look like or what a more balanced picture could look like. And that, that support network was really important. You know, there were a few trusted friends that helped me through it. Um, but continuing to do things that kept me healthy, you know, running, exercising, eating well, doing those kinds of things were, were key. So all of this was set in motion, but honestly, I think that, that COVID really helped and the mm. disruption that it caused. And I don't say that lightly because I know that it it was it is a, a really terrible thing for a lot of people. And yet the disruptive aspect of it was so profound. I mean, it disrupted every aspect of life, which so while I'm going through these shifts, you know, everyone's kind of in chaos. And so no one's following their normal pattern. So that that was helpful. But at the same time, it's also like everything just stopped. And part of what I needed to do was say no to stuff. Mm-hmm. I realized I was saying yes to so much. And in, in that moment, I'm saying no to other things that are becoming really important to me, like you know, taking my kids to the bus stop. But that two years or those two years have really given us a chance to say no and to strip out these things that you know are, are costing us a lot.
1: Yeah. Where, where did, um, to start making these changes, we talk about kind of those charge qualities, where did, that takes a lot of courage to have the conversations with your family, with your now ex-husband saying, I'm not happy. Where did you kind of summon that, that courage and then also be so resilient through all this to make it out on the, on the other side?
0: Yeah, I, I honestly I don't know. I mean the courage is definitely so important to how I was able to move forward, but I think it was just being really resolute. Mm-hmm. Um and those those conversations were so hard. I mean the the worst day of my life was probably telling my kids that mm. you know we were separating. Um but i think i just had to stay so clear on what where i was going mhm and you know a lot of people it felt like were projecting their own situation so you know when i told my mom i felt like the reaction she was get that i was getting was a lot about you know her situation and so you're having to, to be able to put that aside and say, you know, that's their stuff and this is what's right for me. And every, people have an opinion, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but I had to not listen to that.
1: How did you get how, cause I think people have a lot, they have a hard time with that one. So the, let's break that apart. So people project their crap all the time. And Erica, you and I know you and I have talked about this before of like, it's not about like you. They're not even listening to you because it's like, oh my god, I'm unhappy too. But I don't want to do anything about it. So I, I want Erica to stay in our marriage, right? Because then it'll make me feel better. It won't crack my facade. Um, how do you? How did you manage hearing people kind of maybe not give, not be overly supportive, maybe? And how did you manage that? Because I think a lot of people face that that they're trying to make big decisions or uh, big changes in their life, and maybe they don't have the best support network immediately around them. And so how did
0: you manage through that? I think I just had to realize that, you know, sometimes people just can't give you the support that you need. And and sometimes it's disappointing because you expect it or your relationship would suggest it should be there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, not dwelling on it so much because there are other people, it it comes in unexpected places too. And there were a lot of people who were there for me, who I would have never known I could go to, or people supported me beyond what I would have ever expected from them. So I think the important thing is not, not getting discouraged and, and looking for it in other ways.
1: I I like how you said that. It's kind of, you have to, you know, you might expect it, especially from family, like they're going to be super supportive of your decisions. And this is, we've done enough of these podcasts to know that that is not always the case. And so it's kind of like, okay, I'm not going to get too discouraged by that. That's kind of their thing. And then being open to it, Erica, you mentioned to where it could come from, because it really is unexpected sometimes where if you share your story and we were talking about Brene Brown and vulnerability you share your little bit of vulnerability and it's amazing how many other people that you wouldn't even expect come out to support you and help you. And you're like, wow. And this is the, when, especially in the LGBTQIA community, they talk about chosen family and kind of your chosen support group, as you were saying earlier, which is so important to have. What, what about, what is your new kind of support group maybe look like, or how did you choose that, that support group to help you through this?
0: Hmm. Well, I don't, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a more open circle Mm. of family members um, and friends and colleagues for that matter. But, you know, I also, when there was an opening or sometimes it, it, it did, give them permission to talk about their struggles. And so the trust that has, has increased because I was willing to be open and ask for help, which is something I also, I couldn't do before, you know, people were very gracious with the support that they gave and, and now are allowing me to help them too.
1: I, you know, we talked about that vulnerability and you, you mentioned it, how hard was it for you to kind of ask for help and and be vulnerable? And how did you kind of get yourself to do that? Because you mentioned it was hard to ask for help, but I'm assuming sharing your story, especially when you're so goal oriented and things were going so quote unquote to the outside. Well, right. She's hit all Mm -hmm. these metrics, done all these things. How hard was it for you to say,
0: no, it's not going well and, and to be vulnerable with others? Oh, it was completely terrifying because I, I felt like I had to project this air of perfection and I realized my standards for myself were too high unattainable, but in trying to project that I was alienating myself. And so when I was able to say, you know, like my life is a shit show right now, (laughs) you know, people, we're much more willing to say, you know what, everything looks great, but I'm struggling too. So I realized that, you know, there's there's a lot of people who, you know, project that things look good and really could benefit from support and help too.
1: If we could all just agree that it's a shit show, Erica, <laughs> like how, and I was I was thinking of how less exhausted you must have been when you let go of being perfect or creating that, that image. I would think immediately, once you let that go, you must have not, as been not as tired anymore, Erica.
0: Yeah. Be exhausting. Right. It was, it was, it was
1: exhausting. So, so what, especially, so if we get to, you've given already advice throughout, but I want to put a very fine point on it, especially during COVID because you mentioned this gave people, as horrible as it is for so many people, it also gave people time, and time can be good and bad for some. And for you, Erica, you're like, oh my god, that was great that I had this time, and it was really hard to go through it. So what? And people, especially women, as the three of us on this on this podcast know, have a lot of um, pressure to manage it all. I'm a mom. I have a career, and I have a marriage. Like, oh, it's great, and I make cookies. Like, okay. <laughs> Um, and I do everything. So what advice do you have for, especially women in this situation where maybe they do have that more of a, the veneer of, I can do it all in the perfection. And how can you help them? Like, what advice would you give them to get to the point where they're like, you know what, it's kind of a shit show and I'm okay with that. Like, what advice do you have for them to kind of listen and, and listen to that voice and be okay with it?
0: Well, I think it's, it's constantly reevaluating what's important. And even what was important to me before has changed, you know, just because what the world around us is changing and I'm different. So I think it's, it's being clear about that. And I didn't have a path, a clear path to get to where I wanted to be. Mm. And I think that would have stopped me before. I, the, the best metaphor that that I think applies is, you know, when it's really foggy or, or maybe for you and there's a big dust storm, uh, <laughs> and you, you can't see far in front of you, That's but it. if you have to go somewhere, if you're driving, the only way to make progress is to start moving. And we, we try to wait for this divine clarity. You know, the path will reveal itself. You, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have been able to predict that there'd be, a global pandemic that would last 2 years but with that new pathways and new options emerged and revealed themselves so even if i would have tried to come up with a very clear plan or or course of action i don't know that it would have been the best one being open and and just moving is i think one of the most important things we can do when we have a lot of murkiness in front of us.
1: I, I, I love that image. So whatever storm you're in, snow, dust, fog. (laughs) Um, I love that image of, you know what, either you just stand there and a hundred percent means you're not going to go anywhere. You're just going to stand there and then let it either envelop you or you're just going to wait for it to pass, which it might never pass. Um, Or you start to move, like you have to move through it, you have to do something. And like you said, probably isn't on the exact plan that you made. But to be open and flexible to that um, is beautiful. And I think Kelly, uh, Kelly, you have it all put
2: together, Kelly, life is not a shit show on your end, Kel, Right. Oh no, it's all buttoned up nicely. I never stand when I never stand over analyzing and waiting for <laughs> things to pass at all. I'm just thinking that's a perfect analogy. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're, Kelly never overanalyzes anything or puts any never. pressure. She puts zero pressure on herself to be perfect immediately when learning a new skill. That's not oh. true. <laughs>
2: I like the moment of ultimate clarity that you spoke of, Erica, because that's what I'm always looking for. And I'm realizing that I I have to operate out so much outside of that. Like as so many people do, because there is no such thing. So um, that the only way to make progress is to start moving quote is I think the quote of the podcast, to be quite Mm -hmm. honest with you. Truly.
0: I like it. You know, I I wondered if, if maybe one day I fantasize about writing a book and, my husband was joking and he said well here's a working title for you to get out of my head or, uh, get out of my head and into my life
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that too cuz so many of us do that and I think Erica what I what I especially appreciate about how you shared with us today is number one being so vulnerable because I can imagine it takes a lot to sort of sort of relive some of this as you're if you as you're sharing it with us and our listeners but also I I very much get the sense from you that you are very much a work in progress and you're very um, accepting of that and you're very proud of it. You're, you're proud of that, of making that sort of statement. So I wonder in what ways through all of that progress you've made, in what ways do you feel that the balance that you have worked so hard to achieve is working for you? And in what ways do you feel there's still work to be done?
0: Hmm. Well, one thing that I am really proud of is that I am so much more present with my kids and my time with them is limited, but when I'm with them, I'm hundred percent. So I, I need to keep pushing myself to make sure that that happens. Um, but that's something that I think is, is indicative of the kind of progress I needed to make. Um, I still f- spent a lot of time on 95 going up and down the highway between the Virginia house and the Pennsylvania house. And so I need to try to figure out that part of the equation. Um, but yes, it is very much a work in progress and I think I need to just continue to reevaluate.
2: Oh. Well, one of the common themes uh, from this podcast too is that ongoing self awareness, and you've developed it early from from what you've shared, and that continuous um, improvement of self is what's so important. You know, you've you've really tapped into, it and you haven't ignored it. You've only sort of done the hard work that it takes to live the best version of your life and be the best role model for your children. Um, imagining that you know, when you're having those very difficult conversations, um, you know, talking about the end of a marriage with your children, that now you're living a, a different life, you're living a life that allows you to be the best version of yourself for them, so that they can recognize that, you know, while this was a difficult decision for you to make, you made it because this allows you to be the best mother you could be for them. So I can't imagine, but think that, one day they will look back and they will re- realize oh, as their adults how important of a decision that was that you made. Mm. Yeah, thank you. So, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on our podcast, for sharing your story. We absolutely, absolutely recommend that everyone take a look at our show notes and find Erica's contact information and um, to do the hard work that Erica did and really examining and looking at your life um, critically and. and and taking a look to see what changes, if any, you want to make. And, and as, I, as I mentioned, the quote of the podcast in my mind is, the only way to make progress is to start moving. Love that so much. Thank you again, Erica, for being a guest in our podcast and for sharing your story, your very poignant story with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.